Hello, everyone, and welcome to our newest episode of My Cancer Story Podcast. My name is Jess Nelson. I am the creator and your host, where we share cancer survivors and cancer fighters' stories every other Thursday. Today's episode, you are meeting Anna. She is a large B-cell lymphoma survivor and also the creator of Live Happy, Live Fully, in which she was inspired to help cancer fighters and survivors to feel empowered and in control throughout their health and fitness journey in cancer. You're going to love meeting Anna. She tells a full spectrum story of her relationships throughout fighting cancer, as well as talks about fertility and her fitness journey throughout this whole process. So I really hope you enjoy meeting her and stay tuned for a little bit more information and in the episodes below how you can find her and reach out to her and then to learn more of what we talked about in our episode. Please meet Anna. Awesome. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining me here on my cancer story podcast today. Today we have Anna. She's sharing her story about large B cell lymphoma and she was diagnosed at the age of 33. I just so look forward to hearing your story. Um, I feel like we have a lot in common. So from here, Anna, I'll let you take it away and start telling your story. And then if I do have questions that come up along the way and we'll just chat, like it's like two friends in different States hanging out on a (laughs) zoom call. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Take it away, Anna. Yeah. All right. Let's go for it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm yeah in St. Louis. Uh, and yeah, I was diagnosed at the age of 33. So it was back in 2014 with large B cell lymphoma. Uh, and a lot of people ask me what stage were you? Uh, all, you know, the, those are like the typical questions you get Hodgkin's non Hodgkin's. And honestly, mine was in this gray area. Uh, my doctors never staged it. They never said it was Hodgkin's, not Hodgkin's large B cell lymphoma. Uh, that was that highly treatable, which no one wants to get a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at least if they say high, highly treatable, I mean, that's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, before I really dive in and kind of give like, you know, kind of the rundown of my symptoms, my treatment, uh, all those things. Uh, yeah. There's two things that you'll hear me kind of talk about and it's, the two things that are in my heart, what I'm passionate about, what I want to create more awareness about. Um, one is just fitness, fitness and health and how it relates to cancer and just life in general. And then fertility and cancer awareness, because as more and more young adults are getting diagnosed mm-hmm. with cancer, um, especially back seven years ago, when I was diagnosed, I was clueless. If I didn't have the right doctors, I would not be sitting here and I'm actually 30 weeks pregnant, kind of go and share the spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'll kind of tell you how I got there. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I had just gotten in the best shape of my life at 30, 31, 32. I had transitioned into a career in fitness, became a personal trainer, felt amazing. Uh, had met my husband who I had known for years, but we got together got engaged on Christmas Eve, 2013. And, uh, probably like the end of the year or in January is when I started to not feel so great. So, and because I attribute a lot of it because of how fit I was and how in tune to my body I was, and I was taking good care of myself, but all of a sudden in my workouts, I wasn't breathing as well. I was super Mm -hmm. fatigued. And of course we all go to, uh, life stresses, blaming it on a career change on, I had started a new medication for my skin, or I thought maybe it was that. Uh, so my husband, uh, fiance at the time, we were planning a May wedding. He, uh, was like, do you have bronchitis? Cause I started to get this dry, deep cough. Hmm. And I was like, no, no. I mean, you just blow it off. So, uh, I actually was working out with my doctor at the time in that season, mm-hmm. uh, which, I'm also very grateful That's for kind of a blessing right there. Like who, yeah. who, who does that? Who works out with their doctor? That's awesome. Like how by chance that was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She came into my life like a year or so before that. And I, I am just, I'm so grateful for her. And that's one thing too. I really, one of the things is like get in tune with your body and get the right medical professionals around you that you trust and people that know you and won't blow you off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I remember it so vividly. We were in a spin class. I was 
I've always loved spinning, I top cycling. <laughs> so we were in a spin class one Saturday morning and I just saw her after class and was like, gosh, I just don't feel good. You know, I can't catch my breath. Like I just, you know, my endurance is down. Mm-hmm. I have this cough. I just feel off. She's like, okay, go home. Just get, take this and this, like, see how you feel. Call me if you don't get any better. Well, on Sunday, I came down with fever. And I debated on going to urgent care, but I was like, no, like, let's just, I'll wait and see my doctor on Monday. So she got me in Monday morning for Monday. I think it was Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah. And it's like little things. I just like, this just popped in my head. Uh, my husband, fiance again at the time he had, I had like locked my, something happened with my car. Like he had to come home from work early to go to the appointment with me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I would have gone by myself, but mm-hmm. we had like, I had locked my keys in the car or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that just the fact that he was with me that afternoon, little did we know, mm-hmm. uh, I needed him. So I went in that afternoon. She listened to me. I actually sounded fine. My lungs sounded fine but she knew something was off because she knew how great of shape I was in all those things. Uh, so she did a chest x-ray and she had done one about six or seven months before that. So basically the chest x-ray showed something and she was like, Oh my gosh, like what she thought, what did I miss back mm. last summer? Uh, so she sent me straight to CT scan just saying there's something there we need to dig deeper. So I was going into a CT scan that evening uh, and we were, we went to the cafeteria and the hospital to wait, there was no one there and we were waiting for her call. And, you know, she calls me and I don't even know what she said, but in, at that point, you don't know that it's answer, uh, mm-hmm. that there's just something more there. There's a mass yeah. and it was in my chest. Uh, so I remember being on the phone with her. I passed out in the cafeteria at the hospital. Oh, no. oh my God. So again, gratefully, I'm not by myself. Um, and I think it was a combination of hearing the news and, and I didn't know this at the time, but the mass was putting pressure on my heart. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that was not my first passing out episode. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, from there, you know, you go straight to a biopsy, more blood work. Uh, and then that week I was doing all these tests, just kind of waiting. And I never, like, I don't think I said the word cancer till probably I was through everything. Like I just couldn't say it. I would always refer to it as lymphoma or diagnosis. I just couldn't say the word cancer for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but so anyway, that Saturday we knew she was going to call because she was out of town and she called us and, um, you have, lymphoma. So large B cell lymphoma. And again, it was in my mediastinal um, cavity chest. Uh, so, you know, like most cancer goes, uh, it's a whirlwind from there. <laughs> and you're talking about meeting with an oncologist and what I'm going to have an oncologist, like what the heck? Yeah. Uh, so, but I saw her first thing that next Monday morning. And the first thing she said to me, my husband and I went in there together was, have you thought about fertility? I was Mm. like, no, like, I don't know that cancer can affect your fertility. I I know nothing at this point. I'm in denial. Yeah. Like chemotherapy. I'm like, that doesn't cause hair loss. Right. (laughs) 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 So she basically told us I would have about a 1% chance of conceiving after going to treatment that low. Holy cow. Wow. Mm -hmm. So she referred me straight to a fertility doctor and St. Louis has an amazing medical community. I, I cannot say it enough. I was not at Siteman. Siteman's like the big cancer center. I did end up there. I'll get to that. But I was at St. Luke. She referred me to a fertility doctor there, a well-known fertility doctor. It's been around forever. And he was doing this experimental procedure to preserve fertility. And it's uh, ovarian tissue transplant. So we met with him. I watched, we watched all the videos. Uh, It was still considered very experimental. So basically what they do is they uh, take, they check your ovaries to see which one is more fertile. And then they remove the entire ovary and they take the outer layer of the, where the tissue is and they freeze it. 
So they cut it into about 10 pieces and they freeze because that's where your follicles come from, where they mature and where the eggs come from. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, why not IVF? Mm -hmm. You know, why didn't you do that? And honestly, I didn't have time. Time was not on my side because although my tumor was uh, very treatable, it was Mm -hmm. fast growing because Mm -hmm. she was like, this was not there six months ago. Like, and it was pretty big. I funny you forget the exact dimensions, but I want to say it was like the size of a softball ish. Wow. Yeah. No wonder you passed out and had a hard time breathing. Good Lord. Yeah. That's huge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh So, uh, so I just didn't have time and Mm -hmm. I had a day for a surgery though. So my oncologist and, and I don't know what I have kind of found is that oncologists, they want to cure your cancer, which is awesome. Like I'm grateful for that, but not all of them see the full picture and my primary, she sees the full picture. So she knew she's engaged. She's young, like early thirties. Like I want to have babies. Um, but he was fine with me doing the surgery. It was one day. So in a matter of a week, I was having my ovary removed and preserved um, did that, had my port placed, had the bone, uh, bone biopsy, which those are not fun. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but I've heard, uh, I've heard was, so many like crazy things about like bone biopsies or, or donating bone marrow and stuff like that. Oh, that yeah. I was okay. sed- great. Thankfully, gratefully, because I was having these passing out issues. I was sedated, mm. uh, but yeah, my mom watched one of them. She was like, that was the most horrible thing I've ever seen Ooh. you or anyone go through. But, uh, so, and then I ended, I was in, because I was passing out, like I would wake up in the middle of the night. I hadn't started chemo yet, but I was getting ready to, I was trying to figure out which regimen I had to make a choice. Um, but I would wake up in the middle of the night and I couldn't even make it to the bathroom without getting lightheaded and passing out because of this pressure on my heart. So I ended up in the ER one weekend, you know, just, and finally it was like, okay, we are starting. I'm doing, um, I think it was Epoch R was the name of the chemo I got. Um, it's funny how you just block those things out of your head. I don't remember all the technical <laughs> terms, but oh, that's all right. <laughs> but the deal with that one is that I had to be admitted for about four days at a time because it was a slow drip infusion. So here we go. Mart, this is March. Again, I'm still engaged. Oh, this is kind of important. Uh, so <laughs> I was diagnosed in the month of February, February 22nd. I had transitioned jobs and my mom, my insurance was kind of funny at the time. Mm. And it was going to be really expensive. And we were trying to figure out what to do. She's like, you know what? You are so healthy. You're the healthiest person in the family just wait a month or two. You're getting married in May. We'll save the money. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Of course. That's like Murphy's law right there. Like in theory. Yeah. She's right. You're like, yeah, I am healthy. You know, like what's a couple months. That's not a big deal, but it's just like that perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm. So here I am with a cancer diagnosis and undergoing the surgery and all these tests and I don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did get some financial aid through the hospital and, uh, but then my husband, we talked to my doctor, we're like, so he did the research. We knew if we just got married, I would go right on his insurance with no questions asked. Wow. So we went to the courthouse, uh, got our marriage license, called our pastor, met with him. Uh, we actually met with him on February 27th told him what was going on. He fully supported us, signed it. We did not even say vows or anything. And uh, and it was, so I kind of had wanted to get married. It sounds fast, but I wanted to get married kind of on February 28th. It fell on a Saturday. He's like, well, what date do you want me to put on your marriage license? I was like, well, I kind of liked the 28th, but it was too soon to have a wedding. So Mm -hmm. February 28th is our marriage date. Mm -hmm. So, and then I was on my husband's insurance. Perfect. Yeah. So that, that worked out. And then, but at the same time, we're still planning a May wedding, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I start that first round of chemo. And again, you're in denial about your hair, losing your hair. Um, again, I was like, it's radiation that causes your hair, hair loss is what I was telling myself, which mm. it can, but <laughs> 
so, but then I came to the realization, uh, that I was going to lose it. And I was actually by myself at my fertility doctor's office. Cause my husband was running late from work, Googling, Ugh, Google. <laughs> Googling, it kills you, man. <sighs> it, sometimes it's helpful, but most times it's not. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. So, and so I start bawling and I'm not, yeah, I'm bawling because I'm realizing like, I'm going to lose my hair Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was like clockwork, you know, they say, I think it's like two weeks or something like that. After your first day of chemo, you Mm -hmm. lose it. And I, whatever the doctor told me he was spot on. Wow. So, um, so yeah, that was a hard, that was a hard day just coming to that realization. And I left that fertility doctor, like, like that was the, my, that was yeah a hard day. Cause it was like the day that I was meeting with him to find out about what I was doing for fertility and then losing the hair, you know, finding yeah. out, like realizing you're going to lose your hair, yeah. just kind of realizing what I was about. Everything happen. just became real. It just like clicked yeah. all, all at the same time. And it was just like, shit, I'm going through this right now. And this is what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I started chemo in March. They told me it would be three to five rounds. Okay. So I'm like three to five rounds. It's gone. I'm good. I move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, in the midst of my first treatment in the hospital, uh, I, you know, I was there overnight. It, I actually had my hairdresser come in and give me, bang, like I go through seasons of having bangs and cut, give myself a haircut, like my last haircut, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, but we decided though, I decided to postpone the wedding. Um, okay. at that point. So we invitations had not gone out. I changed my invitations into a wedding announcement, kind of saying a brief synopsis, like here's what we're facing. Uh, the front said, we said yes. So people knew we were married. Mm. We had just had engagement photos done. Oh, that's uh, so it all, it all worked out and uh, mm-hmm. it was very, it was meaningful, like what we did and what we sent out. And we we're like, we're just postponing until I'm on the other side of this. Yeah. I always saw myself on the other side of it. I never pictured it any other way. Like oh, that's, that's just good. kind of the way I'm wired. Yeah. Um, I think and, that's the best attitude you can take, whether or not you were consciously doing it. Um, yeah. that, that helps you get through it and it, and essentially you're stronger for it. And also being so fit as how fit you were, it was, it, you know, you did all yourself so many favors by being in the best shape of your life going into this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because it's not just, as you know, it's not just physical, but mm-hmm. there's so much mental, mental and emotional to it too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So like, yeah. and, and I love that you, you guys, I'm sure it was a tough decision to postpone the the ceremony. Um, but ultimately like the wedding and the ceremony is about the bride and the groom. And so many people kind of forget that and they think about everybody else and everybody else, of course, understood and mm-hmm. pulling for you and everything like that. So for you oh, to yeah. do that and feel good about it and, and just postpone it, I think that's awesome because not mm-hmm. everybody would have done that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely the right thing. Cause I just, I knew I, I had to, and wanted to put the energy into you got to get selfish. You really, oh, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. I you mean, take yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I stepped back from training a little bit. I trained a little bit here and there. Um, but you know, those, I had intense, it was intense chemotherapy. Yeah. So May, April, oh wait, March, April, May, May, I did have a bridal shower in May, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, oh, I will mention this about, um, losing my hair when it did start to fall out. My husband and I, I went with girlfriends to look for wigs. We made it fun, but I ended up finding the one I wanted on my own. I feel like important things like that. I always am by myself, mm-hmm. like my wedding dress. I was by myself. I already had my dress, but uh, <laughs> awesome. I was like, ra- I like randomly went to a store one day and I was like, mom, yeah. I found my dress. You don't need to come this weekend. <laughs> oh my God. She was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll try it on for you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, 
So, but my husband, we put the chair in our, our bar chair in our bathroom and mm-hmm. he shaved my head and I just sat there bawling, yeah. bawling. And uh, I went, you know, I uh, wanted something that looked like me and most people didn't know I even had a wig really? because of so much like my hair. Yeah. Wow. I'll just show you, tell you which, like any yeah. of my wedding photos and my wedding dress, boy, mm-hmm. another spoiler alert, a wedding is coming. Uh, <laughs> that's all my wig. Oh, wow. I'll definitely take yeah. a look and make sure to post that too. Yeah. So, uh, but in May I faced my, and I would work out, um, when I felt up for it, mm-hmm. uh, lots of walks, you know, energy comes and goes, you feel horrible. You start to feel better. All those things. Uh, my husband and I would go to the gym together here and there. Mm-hmm. We do the stair workout at a school near our house or, mm-hmm. you know, I did what I could. I felt like yeah. I did the best I could. And that's, you got to cut yourself some slack, but, um, and I, I can touch on fitness a little bit more, um, in a little bit, but, uh, in May I was fighting, getting a blood transfusion that really freaked me out mm-hmm. having to have a blood transfusion. And my counts had really dropped after my May treatment. And I probably should have gotten a tra- uh, transfusion before I left the hospital after that treatment, but again, I was fighting it <laughs> and I, it just freaked me out. The thought of getting someone else's blood. It is kind of irky. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, when you said transfusion, I was like, Oh, the thought of somebody else's blood in my body, it just sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah so I understand. Very crazy. Mm-hmm. And we've got on a, about a 14 or 15 mile bike ride. Um, the weekend before I got my first transfusion and I was struggling. My husband was like, what's wrong with you? Like, mm-hmm. and I was not an intense bike ride. It was just, I was like, I can't, I can't keep up. And so I forget what my counts were. It's another thing that kind of just kind of escapes goes you. away, yeah. but they were, it was pretty low. Mm-hmm. So I had to go in for my first blood transfusion in that May treatment. And honestly, once you do it and you feel so it's like, you feel so much better, so much yeah. more alive. Just and like a switch. Yeah. You can breathe again. going upstairs <laughs> and, uh, So, and then that became a, my norm. Okay. Blood transfusions became a norm, like from then on out. Mm-hmm. Um, so after my June treatment, I was nearing, oh, I did have a good scan in May that was showing, you know, something was happening. The mass was going down. Um, and then so I'm thinking, okay, June, this might be my last treatment. Like I left the hospital, not thinking I was not going to see, I love my, I have the most amazing nurses. Cause I was there for so long, mm-hmm. you know, you get to know them yeah. and build these relationships. Like one of my nurses is coming to my baby shower. Next oh, weekend. nice. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I'm like, you're part of this. Uh, so, awesome. but we were out for my husband's birthday on July 3rd. And I did not feel so good. And I started getting lightheaded and like, I passed out basically at the dinner at the table, we were out, but like came right back to, and I went home and I just was not feeling well. And so basically I called my primary, told her what was going on. I think I had a slight fever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it sounded like I'd be neutro- neutropenic. And, uh, so I went to the ER ended up in the ICU, mm. uh, and found out they did a scan. I was getting ready for my next scan. Anyway, they did a scan and it was showing that my mouse was no longer responding to the treatment, mm. which is not what you want to hear. No. So that was a huge setback, really big setback. And then they found, which is, I think this is pretty common with, uh, chemo. If you have a lot of chemo, uh, but fluid build up around my heart. Mm-hmm. So, so this was, I woke up 4th of July. It's funny. The nurses brought me strawberry shortcake, which they probably should Oh, that's so cute though. But <laughs> they're like, you want some strawberry shortcake for breakfast? And then I find out like an hour later, I've got to go into kind of like an emergency surgery. Oh, geez, oops. <laughs> like, oops. Uh, but they checked me out and the doctors were like, you'll, you'll be fine. We'll put you, we'll still put you under, but basically mm-hmm. they drained that fluid out of my heart. Got it. Uh, and they could like create a little window and the fluid drains out of your heart. So I'm in the ICU. I have the window placed fluid drained, um, not feeling well at all. And I mean, this was probably my lowest point, but still, I still 
knew I was going to, I mean, I never, again, I never doubted it. I never thought I was going to die or not get through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew I had such great doctors. So at that point is when my oncologist transferred me to was like, you know what? I think you need someone who's specifically treats lymphoma. And he referred me to a doctor that he'd actually been in touch with through my entire case down at Sightman Cancer Center here in St. Louis, which is like one of the top cancer centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also mentioned a stem cell transplant okay. and I was clueless about a stem cell transplant. That kind mm-hmm. of freaked me out too. Up there with the blood transfusion, it's like, what's a stem cell transplant? Like you've heard mm-hmm. that word before, but I, I had a friend that had had one years ago. I just didn't really know. Mm-hmm. And I think the unknown is super scary. Mm-hmm. Anything you go through the unknown, I think it's, it's hard. Like just, again, I thought I was going to be done at this point, mm-hmm. moving on with my life. And I'm, I wasn't. Yeah. So, um, so I go to Siteman and there was about a month or so that went by where I had a little bit of a break. And then I had two more rounds of chemo at Siteman and I think they called it uh, savage chemo, which horrible. <laughs> it was just another really intense chemo. Okay. Where I, was <laughs> I was like, you're that. <laughs> Got yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's just intense, yeah. intense yeah. chemo. Um, so I did that. And then I was looking at a month of radiation. Mm-hmm. So I had the proton, um, beam radiation where they, they, um, you know, they pinpoint right where the beam needs to go to. So it doesn't mm-hmm. like radiate your entire body, which I think that's becoming a lot more common, mm-hmm. but back I know back years ago, I had a friend who had to go to Boston to have it done. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't everywhere, but I think okay. it's a little bit more common now. So they pinpointed it right to my chest where the radiation needed to go. So I had a month of radiation, which honestly radiation, I know so for some people it can be really tough. And I mean, it does kind of wear you out, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not, I want to say relaxing because you're just like laying there. It is kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I just enjoyed, I kind of enjoyed going every day. I liked the people there and it was part of my routine. And yeah. Uh, how, how long were the treatments? I imagine they're fairly quick, right? Yeah. It's they pretty quick. Just zap you real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not long at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I was in and out of there probably within an hour total okay. of like parking, going in, coming mm-hmm. out, all those things. So and then in the, I also knew I was going to be facing the stem cell transplant. So that was basically mm-hmm. the month of October. Uh, and my hair started to grow back because I wasn't having chemo, mm-hmm. but I knew I, I, you lose it again though. during <laughs> stem cell transplant. <laughs> Spoiler again. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, I prepared for the stem cell transplant, which is pretty intense. I mean, you have to go through a whole, uh, evaluation, like psychological evaluation, make sure you're in a good, yeah. You see a therapist, hospital, you have to get dental, you know, a dental check, a mammogram. They like really check you over. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then you go through a process. I don't know how familiar, familiar you are with stem cell transplants, Mm -hmm. but you go through a process called phoresis. And I actually, so I was getting my own cells. Okay. So sometimes with stem cell transplants, you have, you have to have a donor, a match, mm-hmm. uh, and they get their cells extracted and then given to you. But I was able to use my own. So mm-hmm. when you go through phoresis, you sit basically uh, all day and the machine is, you're hooked up to this machine that is, extracts your blood and mm-hmm. it separates your cells. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, I don't remember all the technical, I, you know, at the time I knew exactly what was happening, but you just kind of, everything becomes a little bit of a blur, but, um, so they preserved the good cells mm-hmm. the, that I was going to get back in my stem cell transplant. Mm-hmm. So let's see. So that's November. Um, it took a while. I took like, I don't know, maybe three, four it took, like I had to go back for phoresis. Like I went through it once for two or three days. Mm-hmm. They didn't get enough. And I had to go back and do it again, it. which I was really disappointed because we're getting close to the holidays and I did not want to be in the hospital on Christmas. And yeah, 
So I finally got admitted on Thanksgiving day. So Thanksgiving day will never be the same. Yeah, uh, that, I bet that stays with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it definitely does. Uh, yeah. but I was admitted on Thanksgiving day was looking at like 23 weeks basically in the hospital. Okay. So once you're admitted, they started chemo that night and the chemo they give you for a stem cell transplant is the most intense chemo you get, you can get because it wipes everything out. Wow. And that's why you need the blood cells yeah. to build yourself back up. That's basically the only way to come out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the auto transplant is a lot less risky. Uh, I'm not super familiar with the aloe transplants with the donors, but I do know there's a lot more risk involved with those. So, uh, I imagine because it's like not your own cells and there's always a chance that you can, um, uh, reject it. Yes, exactly. it. Yeah. It. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the chemo, they got me ready. I had, they, then one day, you know, they come in, they have it all like all your, you got a calendar on your wall, the days mapped out, like what's going to happen when, and they basically bring your cells in your bag of blood. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, it smells like, uh, corn, like cream, cream, corn. Sorry. I started to get a call. Okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, it's got a weird smell to it. Like cream corn. Yeah. Uh, and I can remember picture my nurse. I have pictures of all of this, but, and then they, the, they hang the bag and your cells go back into you. It's a pretty weird feeling. It doesn't hurt, but it's just like this weird rush over your body. Um, so I had my cells back and then, uh, you just wait, it's a waiting game. you lose your hair again. So as my little hair was coming back, I wasn't little wearing baby my hair. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my husband came in and shaved my head again in the hospital bathroom. And, uh, you just wait for all your counts to come up. I had blood transfusion. I had platelets, another transfusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, at that point, it's no big deal, but, um, and then finally, when your counts come up, you're, you know, here in the clear to go home. And I would, so my mom, I do want to give a shout out to my mom because, and all these hospital stays, there were a lot of them when you figure for three or four nights a week and then 20 days in the hospital, uh, she stayed with me probably 75, 80% of those nights. Wow. And my husband was, was amazing too. Um, you know, he, I, he, I wanted, you know, he stayed working for the most part, come mm-hmm. after work every night. Uh, but having my mom there, that's one thing you have the right, you got to have the right people around you, mm. uh, that are just easy and yeah. that you don't have to put a show on for, and you can just be you. Uh, yeah. Having that support system and like, like you're saying the right support system is, is huge. Like you can be yourself, the most rundown version of yourself, whatever it is, you don't have to like you said, put on a show and they love Mm -hmm. you for that and love you still. And and we'll take care of you and not even think twice about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So she was such a blessing through the whole, whole deal. Uh, and my husband. So, and, um, yeah, a little sidetrack back to fitness when I was in the hospital, I can't remember how many laps, but, um, I calculated like I would, I was maybe one of the nurses told me how many laps it was to like walk a mile around <laughs> the, the floor. So I would have my little pole with me. Oh my God. You just try so to cute. move yeah. as much as you could. I would pack up my blender, um, with my smoothie ingredients and take it to the hospital and I love go, that. Make, go make smoothies or my mom would go make one, uh, for me. And I mean, I did the best I could, but at the same time, I definitely order Chinese food. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had those moments too, uh, mm-hmm. but, and I, there was a little fitness center when I was in the hospital for the stem cell transplant. And I would go down there when I felt, felt like it. <laughs> and I'd get on the, at least get on the elliptical, like mm-hmm. doing something. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. Trying to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And I do attribute, you know, no one can, I can't explain no one had a reason for why I 
was diagnosed, why mm-hmm. I got it. It's not hereditary, genetic. Uh, my dermatologist was funny. I really love my dermatologist, which that's another good doctor to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But uh, she said, she was like, where did you grow up? And I actually grew up in Southern Illinois. She's like, I think it's something in the water. <laughs> when I it, it could her. be environmental. You never know. Yeah. Never and know. it very likely could be. I mean, I was in a, grew up in a coal mining community. Um, so you just, you don't know, but mm-hmm. I do, I believe so strongly because I was taking such good care of myself and in such great shape. It helped me not just with the physical aspects of it, of dealing with the treatment, but yeah, mm-hmm. the mental and emotional, um, parts of it too. So, um, so yeah, but I got to go home just like two or three days before Christmas. And, uh, then you, it's a waiting game. You wait a hundred days before you have a scan after a stem cell transplant. Okay. So January came, we're coming up on our one year anniversary since we were married in February. And, uh, we decided to have, it was on a Saturday. So we decided to have a small ceremony, um, say our vows, friends, Mm -hmm. close friends and family, got to wear my dress. And it was honestly so much more us than what was going to happen in May. Like yeah. weddings get, you know, <laughs> so Ooh. out of proportion. It's crazy. My husband and I did the same thing. We did something so small. It's just us. Yeah. yeah. And it becomes less and less about the bride and the groom. And it's for you to be able to celebrate your love and to share it with your closest friends yeah. and family. I think, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And at this point, it was so much more meaningful. I mean, who would have thought? And so we walked down the aisle together, holding hands and said our vows. We had maybe 40 people there. Yeah. It snowed. It was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love that. People still drove in the snow and it was, yeah, it was wonderful. And then again, it was so much more us. That's Mm -hmm. how we are. Yeah. And that's the perfect day. That's perfect. Yeah whatever it was becoming, that was not, it wasn't meant to be. It was, this is what it was meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. Uh, and then the hundred day mark came, it was early March had my scan. And I honestly, I know there's a a lot of people will deal with anxiety, um, leading up to scans. And Mm -hmm. I think just back to like, I'm not a high stress person to begin with. Um, so, which can be, have its pros and cons. Sometimes <laughs> I guess I could be a little too nonchalant, but uh, <laughs> I just have, I don't know. I had this confidence and peace in me the whole time. And I had a complete response. It came back complete response, which is what you want after some cell transplant. That's awesome. And uh, then from there, it's like, okay, life, life after cancer, which might be a whole other topic, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So figuring life out and navigating it. And, uh, so I mean, your new you know, normal new you and ap- actually being able to be married and, and, you know, start your life together as a married couple too. Right. Because yeah. honestly, that first year with the cancer diagnosis, like, mm-hmm. for example, like, you know, the normal things you do to prepare for marriage, like mm-hmm. figuring out your finances and just like different, how you're going to handle different things. Like mm-hmm. that all went out the window. Like yeah. we didn't talk about any of that. It was just, you're getting through this mm-hmm. diagnosis. That's what we put all our energy into, Yeah, which I don't regret. But then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're married. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my career that I had just yeah. started. Like, how does this look? And And I think because all my focus was on getting through it, I didn't think about all those other life stresses. Like I say all the time, I had a good friend that recently went through rectal cancer, um, the year after, yeah. Uh, the year after going through cancer was way harder than Mm -hmm. going through it, like way more higher stress, um, just navigating the day in day out of life. Yeah. It, you, yeah. You're going from like, just trying to survive into like, mm-hmm. like you said, everyday life, like little things that didn't seem like a big deal while fighting cancer, but are now, you know? So yeah. it's, oh, I can imagine now we got to adjust that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I just start getting into the fitness scene again mm-hmm. and doing my follow-up scans. And of course I have frozen tissue yep. in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, 
so we waited. We weren't in a rush to figure that out. I wanted to get through all my scans, which took about two years, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure I was in the clear. I didn't want to be having sca- scans, like dealing with being pregnant or wanting to be pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. And I stayed on the pill. So, um, I was on a birth control pill to regulate my hormones and no one ever mentioned to me that anything about menopause or that it could be a side effect, but because I was on the hormones, um, it kept everything in check. So it it wasn't until the end. So I ended treatment. It was 2015 when I had my first scan. So 2014, I was in cancer 2015. I'm in the clear, uh, And then it was the end of 2016, I was finished with scans. It's about two year, year and a half of scans, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're like, okay, well, let's find out what we need to do to make this happen. Mm Because we're both getting a little bit older, even though technically my tissue is frozen at 33. Yeah. Your ovaries are still 33. (laughs) Yeah. They're still young and hopefully, even though you never, you know, you don't know though, once yeah. You just don't know. But yeah. but anyway, we knew mine were good. Okay. So I went off the pill. I go to my OB first. I went off the pill just to see like what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And we find out pretty quick I'm in menopause without okay. being on any hormones. So let me tell you, going in and out of menopause when you're 35. That's gotta I be mean, like a mind, sorry, mind fuck. Oh. <laughs> it's Oh, it's beyond horrible. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, you know, I had the menopause lips, like where they get swollen and just everything. That was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I didn't either. I do. Again, I Googled it. Googled it. And my lips started to get all chapped and like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they confirmed I was a menopause. So then we go to the doctor, Dr. Silver, who did my transplant, who has my who does the ovarian tissue transplant. Mm -hmm. So we start exploring, okay, what do we need to do to get this tissue back, get my hormones back, get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So this was a process. So it's 2016, no 2017. Now we think it's just going to be ready to go. And of course, insurance doesn't pay for it yeah, because it's considered experimental. Mm -hmm. So they did pay for it at the beginning because of my diagnosis. But now that I'm in the clear for some reason, they don't pay for it. And it's not a super expensive thing, but not as much as IVF. No, not as much as IVF, but it's still a chunk of money that we weren't planning on that, you know, I'm doing the surgery. So we really fought insurance. I wrote letters. I did a lot and we were not successful. Um, but we ended up working it out and I had my first transplant in June uh, so they transplanted two to three pieces back. So I don't think I got to this part, but once you get your tissue back, they transplant mm. the frozen tissue. They thaw it out. They transplant it back onto your ovary you have. So they transplanted it okay, on, still there. Okay. onto my left ovary. And then once it's hooked up to blood supply, hormones start coming back, periods start coming back. Hmm. And then I should be able to conceive naturally. Okay. So that's the second part to getting my ovary removed and that tissue preserved. So June, yes, June, I had my first transplant. It took probably four or five, six months before I had a period. Okay. And it's like, you get your period. You're like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew that that would be like a celebration kind of thing. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. I will never (laughs) complain about a period or hair ever again. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So it's just kind of a waiting game. And my doctor who does the procedure, he just said, you know, he would always, this is how he says it. He's, he's just like have frequent intercourse and you should get pregnant naturally. He makes it sound pretty simple. Yeah. Like cut and dry. Just have sex. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Uh, (laughs) which, and I would have my hormones checked every month and they always looked good. And I kept having periods and nothing was happening though. And then, uh, that summer I just, I got another opinion, had my hormones kind of, they kind of dug deeper into my hormones. And that doctor that I talked to said that he looked back at everything. He's like, the chances of you getting pregnant 
because my he could tell like I guess my egg supply was really low like it just was so minimal like there wasn't enough there Mm -hmm. so I'm like hey well what do I do now like do what so uh I reached back out to Dr. Silber and I had more tissue frozen yeah but then all of a sudden all my periods had stopped so that's why I reached back out and then that fall they started up again when we were getting ready for another surgery. So he's like, well, let's just wait and see what happens. And then I stopped again. So again, my body is like Ugh. up and down hormonally. <laughs> I mean, all over the place. Uh, yeah. So, oh, just thinking about, I hope the, what I've got now lasts me for a while. That's all I got to say. I'm not in any rush to get back to menopause. No. Uh, <laughs> so Let's see. So that's the fall. Then I stop again. So in June, I think it was like the first of that next year. It was, so it was 2019. Okay. We we were like, okay, let's do it again. So this will be my third surgery related to the transplant. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had the, the second tissue transplant February 27th, day before our anniversary. <laughs> uh, and he ended up putting it all back in. They'd found a oh. couple, cause it's so experimental. They found a couple glitches with like the lab and the thawing process that they tweaked. And then he talked to some colleagues and other, they do this in other countries and mm-hmm. uh, it's not really known a lot in the U S yet. Yeah. I think it's becoming a little bit more common, but still a lot of people still don't know about it. So yeah. Anyway, they decided to put it all back in and they had left. So I think they had maybe six, six pieces left of my tissue. Mm-hmm. So that was February. Um, again, it's a waiting game within like three or four months started having periods again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew because I'm, you know, getting older, my husband's 40, like I'm getting close to 40. Uh, I went and did seek uh, a fertility doctor. Okay. Uh, yeah. So just to get some extra guidance and another opinion to guide me through it. So anyway, she like checked me out. And, uh, I think one thing with a tissue transplant, your ovulation can be a little tricky and you don't really know when you're ovulating is kind of what I've gathered from it. But she was like, everything looks good. Like you honestly haven't ovulated yet this month. So this was the fall of 2019 and I ended up getting pregnant that weekend Mm. because of her, like she, she basically was like, you're going to ovulate any day. Mm -hmm. So I find out I'm pregnant really early because I do blood work every month, like after every period. Um, but it never really felt right. Like, Mm -hmm. I honestly just don't think it was ever a viable pregnancy. I did miscarry. Um, but when I went in for the first ultrasound, there was just, there was no sack and mm. my love, my HCG was always a little funny and, uh, I was bleeding the whole time. So I did miscarry, mm. which How I mean, far it's, long were you? it's hard to really know. It was really early, like maybe okay. five, six weeks. Oh, really, like really. Super early. Cause I knew right away. Yeah. Um, like, Cause I had the blood work so quick. Mm-hmm. So it was tough. I think it was a lot tougher on me emotionally than I realized. I, I like looking back on it, like that whole season, it was just kind of like, we were just both like getting through the holidays. (laughs) It was hard. It was like right before Thanksgiving and we hadn't told anyone yet. Um, so, but, and I had to have the methotrexate shot, which I know is very common with, it was an ectopic pregnancy. Okay. And it's funny that I just thought it was funny. It's a chemo. It's actually a chemo drug <laughs> that I, I found out about. Yeah, I mean, oh, it doesn't funny. have those side effects because you yeah. just have that. But I was like, are you kidding me? I'm getting chemo again. <laughs> again. So then I just gave my body a rest. You know, they said wait three months or so. Of course, COVID hit in 2020, and we all know how that went goes <laughs> and went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then last summer, I was like, okay, like again, I'm gonna be 40 next year. And, uh, I would really like to have a baby before, you know, have wanted to be pregnant by the time I was 40 in my head. But, uh, so I went back to the fertility doctor. She checked me out. She found some, she looked at my uterus and saw some tissue that just didn't look right. So she, um, 
I had a hysteroscopy, which was another surgical procedure to clean everything out. Yeah. I just and, had one th- like three weeks ago. Oh, you did. <laughs> Good times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I'm grateful she checked me out. Yeah. And that's like, you know, all these doctors, they all have their thing. And like, I'm so grateful for every single one of them because without one of them, I might not be where I am today. Mm-hmm. So they all do their part and it all yeah. comes together. So you know, she's the fertility doctor that wants to make sure I have a good looking uterus Yeah, because she's not going to do an IUI or IVF if my uterus looked the way it looked. Mm-hmm. So then I did do two IUIs. I did my first IUI in September, okay. last September and, um, didn't, was not pregnant from that one. And then the second one in October, and then I was found out I was pregnant December. No, I guess it was October, November. See, it's so funny how I forget things. Uh, anyway, I found <laughs> okay. out I was pregnant on December 5th. I do uh-huh. remember that. Uh, so, and here I am now. Yay. Congratulations. Weeks pregnant. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. What a process. And a, I guess a journey to get, to get here, to get where you are right now. And, and I think that's awesome that you had all the doctors mm-hmm. that you had that helped you, you know, like they, they, mm-hmm. they heard you, they listened to you and they had their own specialty to help make this happen. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Totally. Yay. So, so how many weeks is, I'm sorry, I'm ignorant. How many weeks <laughs> are in a pregnancy? <laughs> I've never been pregnant. <laughs> uh, oh, so I'm in my third trimester. I'm okay. 30 weeks. Okay. Yeah. So I have about 10 ish to go. Like, awesome. Yeah. Home stretch. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really, it's a medical, I say it's like, a, it's like a medical miracle. It is because it's, I feel like it's medicine and everything coming together. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like God gives these doctors with the knowledge and mm-hmm. what they need to do and how to treat us. And yeah. then it's like, here also I am. Your, your perseverance and attitude and, and everything that, you know, you wanted to achieve and, and, and putting, putting yourself first. And then also like you're saying that, that mental attitude and not being a negative Nancy or anything like that, mm-hmm. just like keep going for it and wanting it and, and like, just being, having that motivation and outlook to be able to do it too. Is, it's yeah. really important too. Cause if yeah. you were negative and, and like, Oh, like it's, this isn't going to happen. It's so unlikely and who knows it may not have happened. So you definitely right. test your own destiny with that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. And I think I did have to get really honest with myself about a last summer, like, no, this is what I really want. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, I put up a kind of a protection, like in case it would never happen, but then mm-hmm. it's like, no, this is what I want. Like, you've got to just open yourself up to yeah. those things and go after it and, um, and stay in that positive mindset. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations again for, for, being with baby, do you know, have you decided, um, to see if it was a boy or girl or is there, is there going to be a surprise? It's a surprise. Yay. <laughs> to be continued. We'll be on the yes. lookout for you to see if you have a little baby boy or baby girl. Yeah. So like post cancer and post recovery and everything like that, like, um, you, you touched on it a couple of times, like your fitness journey and, and fitness prior and post cancer and during cancer. Um, what, um, I saw on your profile, your creator of live happily, happily live fully. Um, how did that come about? And, um, tell me more about that. Yeah. So about a year ago when we're all at home and trying to figure out our lives and what we're doing with our lives, you know, I've been in fitness for several years now. And, uh, I finally, I came across this cancer exercise, uh, certification in my NASA magazine. And I just thought like, I I had had it in the back of my mind and I just, you know what, this is basically like kind of what I've, I've been given. Um, I love fitness and I know how it helped me get through cancer. And there's things I wish I would have done differently when I was going through it in regards to weightlifting. I wish I had someone kind of guiding me a little bit more because you're just so, up and down when you're going through treatment with fatigue and, you know, uh, just emotions. And I, I wish I would have done more weight training because muscle atrophy and cancer treatment, it's a real thing. I still struggle. I've struggled for, even though I've been out of treatment for six years, 
uh, over six years, I still have had a struggle getting my muscle mass back. And I just thought, you know, if I can help someone get through it, uh, and like learn from what worked for me, what didn't work for me, mm-hmm. then I want to do it. So I got the certification and, you know, it's more of an awareness thing, creating a lot of awareness. And mm-hmm. I'm always happy to talk to anyone, you know, whether they just need the motivation mm-hmm. they're going through treatment or if they're getting out of it and they're trying to get their themselves back, um, wanting them to feel that empowerment control or something. <laughs> yeah. So so, yeah, I think that's awesome that NASM offers that. I wasn't aware that they offered a, a cancer exercise certification. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so with that, like, um, how okay? I guess how can they find you? Like, as far as if if they're looking for some help to learn more about what you do, or even just like picking your brain, or even hiring yeah. on as as the exercise specialist for like during their cancer treatment. How can they find right? You? Yeah. So Instagram at live happy, live fully. Um, and also my personal page, Anna K Prosser, okay. uh, both of those. And then I'm also on Facebook as well with live happy, live fully. I've been kind of, uh, I like to do a lot of just live informational tips, Q and A's on okay. Instagram and Facebook. Oh, awesome. I haven't done a whole lot because okay. I've seriously been nesting this entire pregnancy. I tell people, I'm like, they say it hits the third trimester, but I've waited so long for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I've been nesting the whole time. So I'm <laughs> still like, yeah, I finished my way. I have a website, live happy, live mm-hmm. So it's like, I've been doing things in the background and mm-hmm. I'm still involved with uh, an organization local to St. Louis. And, uh, so I'll probably hop back on there a couple times this summer, but even mm-hmm. though I'm not like saying something every day, I'm there. So people yeah. can always reach out to me. So, and it's basically, you know, it is all about just, I want to inspire others. This inspires me. It's what I love and what I believe in. I know it works and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, you just got to take what you've been given and make the most of it. Yeah. And I'm constantly blown away with, um, the cancer community and the survivors or even people that are still going through cancer, what they take from it and make of it. Like, it's just so mm-hmm. cool what people are doing, like whether it's starting their own company or um, being an advocate or, you know, getting a new like certification or job or career. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think what everybody's done and for everybody that I've interviewed so far, it's just, it's incredible to see what, what people can accomplish and achieve. So, mm-hmm. you know, what you're yeah. doing is super awesome and, and being able to help you, like you're saying, just one person, it makes it all worth it. And for you to yeah be out there and, and helping people. It's, I know it's just going to continue to pay it forward and to help somebody mm-hmm. get through, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. super awesome. Yeah. Well, do you have, we're kind of coming towards the end. Do you have yeah. any advice for the listeners or anything else that you would like to add? Yeah. I mean, as far as it comes to, if you're a young woman, uh, in your twenties, thirties, and when it comes to the fertility piece of cancer, just mm-hmm. know that there's, there are options out there, uh, depending on your diagnosis, just ask the right questions, get to the right people have again, have the right team of doctors. If you don't feel comfortable, it's okay to find someone else. Uh, the ovarian tissue transplant. Again, if you have any questions about that, again, it's got to happen before treatment. Um, but, uh, I'm always, I just want to know, I want people to know that it's an option because you hear about IVF and again, yeah. in my case, I didn't have didn't the have time, time. Yeah. to preserve my, um, or to do egg retrieval. There's yeah. no time. Time was not on my side. Yeah. So yeah, just always ask questions like, yeah, you gotta be your own advocate for sure. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a, a constant theme. I definitely hear from people and I think it's hundred mm-hmm. percent true. And I think it needs to kind of be drilled into a lot of our heads. I know for my head too, to be like, you, you can get a new doctor. You, you Mm -hmm. need to be your own advocate. So like, it's just been a learning experience along the way as well. Cancer related, non-cancer related, whatever it is, but that's Mm -hmm. that's some really great advice. Um, So Anna, thank you so much for sharing your story and being here with me today. And yeah. um, Thank you everyone for out there that's listening. And if you do have questions, I'm going to include 
the contact information for Live Happy, Live Fully, the website, and both um, your personal Instagram and the Live Happy Instagram as well. Great. Well, thank you again for joining me and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone again for listening to this episode of my cancer story podcast and hearing Anna's story. Thank you, Anna, for joining me and sharing your story and being so open about family, love, fertility, and fitness. I I loved having you on today to find out more about Anna and to reach her. You can find her at Anna K Prosser or at live happy, live fully on Instagram, or you can visit her website at www.livehappylivefully.com. I'm going to post that information below and any other information that Anna had provided me regarding large B cell lymphoma and the fertility treatments that she did receive. Stay tuned in two weeks again on Thursday is going to be a brand new episode. Thank you everyone for listening. If you do have a chance, please subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, I do have my posts on Anchor. So if you are able to subscribe through Anchor, just help out a little bit for the cost that it does create for to make this podcast. It would be the largest help in the world. I love doing this and I'm so happy to be able to share everything, all these stories with those of you out there that are listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you guys in a couple of weeks.